This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This is the one-year Bible reading for July 7th, and we are reading this morning in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 5 to begin with. And as we read the genealogy this morning, we're going to find an, an interesting prayer of Jabez um, tucked away in this, and that's how we're going to end uh, with a selection from that book this morning. So you can listen for Jabez as we read along. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives named Hela and Neara. Neara gave birth to Azuam, Hefer, Temeni, and Ha'ashtari. Hela gave birth to Zareth, Izhar, Ethnan, and Kaz, who became the ancestor of Anub. So Beba and all the families of Aharl, son of Haram. There was a man named Jabez who was more distinguished than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and extend my lands. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him this request. Caleb, the brother of Shuhah, was the father of Mehir. Mehir was the father of Eshton. Eshton was the father of Beth Rapha. Paseda and Tehina. Tehina was the father of Irnashash. These were the descendants of Rika. The sons of Kenaz were Othniel and Sarai. Othniel's sons were Hathath and Menothai. Menothai was the father of Ophrah. Sarai was the father of Joab, the founder of the Valley of Craftsmen, so called because so many craftsmen lived there. The sons of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were Iru, Elah, and Naam. The son of Elah was Kenaz. The sons of Jehalalel were Ziph, Zipha, Tiria, and Azarel. The sons of Ezra were Jether, Mered, Ephor, and Jalon. Mered married an Egyptian woman who became the mother of Miriam. Shammai, Ishba, the father of Eshtemoa. Mered also married a woman of Judah who became the mother of Jared, the father of Gedor. Heber, the father of Soko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. Mered's, uh, Mered's Egyptian wife was named Bithia, and she was an Egyptian princess. Hodia's wife was the sister of Nahum. One of her sons was the father of Kela, the Garmite, and another was the father of Eshtemoa, the Maacathite. The sons of Shimon were Amnon, Rinna, Ben-Hanan, and Tylon. The descendants of Ishi were Zoheth and Ben-Zoheth. Shelah was one of, of Judah's sons. The descendants of Shelah were Ur, the father of Lika, Laeda, the father of Mersha, the families of linen workers, at Beth Ashbia. Jochem, 
the people of Kozebah, Joash, and Sarah, who ruled over Moab, and Jashubi, Lehem. These names all come from ancient records. They were the potters who lived in Netaim and Gedera. They all worked for the king. The sons of Simeon were Nemuel, Jamin, Jerib, Zerah, and Shal. The descendants of Shal were Shalem, Mibsam, and Mishma. The descendants of Mishma were Hamuel, Zachar, and Shimei. Shimei had 16 sons, six daughters, but none of his brothers had large families. So Simeon's tribe never became as large as the tribe of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Molada, Hazar Shual, Bilhah, Ezem, Tolad, Bethul, Hormah, Ziklag, Beth Markoboth, Hazar Susim, Beth Beeri, and Shearim. These towns were under the control until the time of under their control until the time of King David. Their descendants also lived in Edom, Ain, Rimmon, Token, and Asan, five towns and their surrounding villages as far away as Baalith. This was their territory, and their, these names are recorded in their family genealogy. Other descendants of Simeon included Meshabab, Jamlech, Joshah, son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, son of Joshabiah, son of Sariah, son of Aziel, Elioni, Jacobah, Jeshohiah, Aziah, Adiel, Jeshimel, Beniah, and Ziza, son of Shiphi, son of Alon, son of Jediah, son of Shimri, son of Shemaiah. These were the names of some of the leaders of Simeon's wealthy clans who traveled to the region of Gidor in the east part of the valley, seeking pasture land for their flocks. They found lush pastures there, and the land was quiet and peaceful. Some of Ham's descendants had been living in, in the east part of the valley, um, in the region of Gidor. But during the reign of King Hezekiah of Judah, the leaders of Simeon invaded it and completely destroyed the homes of the descendants of Ham and of the Mayanites. They killed everyone who lived there and took the land for themselves because they wanted it for good pasture land for their flocks. 500 of these invaders from the tribe of Simeon went to Mount Seir, led by Palatia, Neria, uh, Nephia, and Uziel, all sons of Ishi. They destroyed the few Amalekites who had survived, and they lived there, and they have lived there ever since. The oldest son of Israel was Reuben. But since he dishonored his father by sleeping with one of his father's concubines, his birthright was given to the sons of his brother Joseph. For this reason, Joseph, uh, Reuben is not listed in the genealogy as the firstborn son. It was the descendants of Judah that became the most powerful tribe and provided a ruler for the nation. But the birthright belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, the oldest son of Israel, were Hanuk, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The descendants of Joel were Shemaiah, Gog, Shimei, Micah, Reah, Baal, and Bera. Bera was the leader of the Reubenites when they were taken into captivity by King Tiglath Pilsner of Assyria. Bera's relatives are listed in their genealogy by their clans, 
Jael, the leader, Zechariah, and Bela, son of Azaz, son of Shema, son of Joel. These Reubenites lived in the area that stretches from Aor to Nebo and Balmian. And since they had so many cattle in the land of Gilead, they had spread eastward toward the edge of the desert that reaches to the Euphrates River. During the reign of Saul, the Reubenites defeated the Hagrites in battle. Then they moved into the Hagrite settlements all along the eastern edge of Gilead. Across from the Reubenites in the land of Bashan lived the descendants of Gad, who were spread as far east as Seleka. Joel was the leader in the land of Bashan. Shepham was second in command, along with Jani and Shaphat. Their relatives, the leaders of seven other clans, were Michael, Meshulam, Sheba, Jorai, Jacan, Zia, and Eber. All these were descendants of Abihail, son of Huri, son of Jeroah, son of Gilead, son of Michael, son of Jeshishai, son of Jehod, uh, Je Jado, son of Booz. Ahai, son of Abdiel, son of Guni, was the leader of their clans. The Gadites lived in the land of Gilead, in Bashan, in its villages, and throughout the Sharon Plain. All of these were listed in the genealogical records during the days of King Jotham of Judah and King Jeroboam of Israel. Turning to the New Testament, we are in Acts chapter 25 today. And we had a bunch of Jews in Jerusalem uh, stir up trouble for Paul. And he has been sent to Caesarea. And when he got there, um, Felix became quite interested with him and met with him often and heard his story and kept him in jail for two years. And that's where we are now. Felix has left and Festus has taken his place. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem. Their plan was to waylay and kill him. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea and he himself would be returning there soon. So he said, those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. Eight or 10 days later, he returned to Caesarea and on the following day, Paul's trial began. On Paul's arrival in court, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations that they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I am not guilty, he said. I have committed no crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, no. This is the official Roman court, so I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty. If I have done something worthy of death, of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, neither you nor anyone else has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you shall go. A few days later, King Agrippa arrived with his sister, Bernice, to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and other Jewish leaders pressed charges against him and asked me to sentence him. 
Of course, I quickly pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. They are given an opportunity to defend themselves face to face with their accusers. When they came here for trial, I asked the case, uh, I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in, but the accusations made against him weren't at all what I expected. It was something about their religion and about somebody called Jesus who died, but whom Paul insists is alive. I was perplexed as to how to conduct an investigation of this kind, and I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem, but Paul appealed to the emperor. So I ordered him back in jail so I could arrange to send him to Caesar. I'd like to hear the man myself, Agrippa said, and Festus replied, you shall tomorrow. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by uh, military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all present, this is the man whose death is demanded by the local Jews and by those in Jerusalem. But here is my opinion. He has done nothing worthy of death. However, he appealed his case to the emperor and I decided to send him. But what shall I write the emperor? For there is no real charge against him. So I have brought him before you all, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. For it doesn't seem reasonable to send a prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. We will leave it there for today. Psalm 5, another Psalm of David. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I will never pray to anyone but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. O oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the slightest sin. Therefore, the proud will not be allowed to stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. With deepest awe, I will worship at your temple. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Tell me clearly what to do. Show me which way to turn. My enemies cannot speak one truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their speech is filled with flattery. O oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they rebel against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Protect them so that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, surrounding them with your shield of love. Proverbs eighteen nineteen, It is harder to make amends with an offended friend than to capture a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with iron bars. And we read today the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and increase my territory, that your hand would be with me and keep evil far from me that I might not experience or cause pain. And there's been a wonderful book written called The Prayer of Jabez based on just that simple prayer that the Lord has, has preserved for us in the middle of that genealogy.
And I'm just going to read you a segment that talks about that blessing. And I love that that psalm today ended, For you bless the godly, O Lord, surrounding them with your shield of love. Um, And Jabez starts, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And that is what this is about. What if you found out that God had it in mind to send you 23 specific blessings today, but you got only one? What do you suppose the reason would be? There's a little fable about a Mr. Jones who dies and goes to heaven. Peter is waiting at the gates to give him a tour. Amid the splendor of golden streets, beautiful mansions, and choirs of angels that Peter shows him, Mr. Jones notices an odd-looking building. He thinks it looks like an enormous warehouse. It has no windows and only one door. But when he asks to see inside, Peter hesitates. You really don't want to see what's in there, he tells the new arrival. Finally, Peter relents. When the apostle opens the door, Mr. Jones almost knocks him over in his haste to enter. It turns out that the enormous building is filled with row after row of shelves, floor to ceiling, each stacked neatly with white boxes tied in red ribbons. These boxes all have names on them, Mr. Jones muses. Turning to Peter, he asks, do I have one? Yes, you do. Peter tries to guide Mr. Jones back outside. Frankly, Peter says, if I were you, but Mr. Jones is already dashing towards the J aisle to find his box. Peter follows, shaking his head. He catches up with Mr. Jones just as he is slipping the red ribbon off his box and popping the lid. Looking inside, Jones has a moment of instant recognition, and he lets out a deep sigh, like the ones Peter's, Peter's heard so many times before. Because there, in Mr. Jones's white box, are all the blessings that God wanted to give him while he was on earth. But Mr. Jones had never asked. Ask, promised Jesus, and it will be given to you. Matthew 7, 7. You do not have because you do not ask, said James. James 4, 2. Even though there is no limit to God's goodness, if you didn't ask him for, the, for a blessing yesterday, you didn't get all that you were supposed to have. That's the catch. If you don't ask for his blessing, you forfeit those that come to you only when you ask. In the same way that a father is honored to have a child beg for his blessing, your father, heavenly father, is delighted to respond generously when his blessing is what you covet most. So don't hesitate today to ask God to bless you indeed. Have a wonderful day. Love you all.